Uh, this is our key market drivers call for Tuesday, September 20th. As always, here's our contact information. We would love to hear from you, questions, comments, uh, anything that you've got. So let's just go ahead and get into it. Um, when I throw it to Scott here in a little bit for wheat, well, he'll talk about that top bullet, but the uh, Russian wheat crop just keeps getting bigger and bigger and bigger. Uh, Scott, I think, mentioned a couple weeks ago or a week ago that uh, it seems like a race amongst the analyst community to see who can have the biggest number. So uh, more about that in a second. Uh, something else that's kind of been driving prices here really since last uh, last week when we got our WASD report and a good bit tighter soybean balance sheet than we thought, uh, or at least in the trade was expecting going into that report. That's been kind of an underlying theme here just a little bit. Uh, soy complex prices were generally higher last week across the board. Uh, corn was actually down a little bit. So um, that has definitely lifted the price of beans relative to corn. If you remember, that's a complete reversal from where we were the month before. But uh, I guess that's the way it goes in the old uh, commodity business. I'll also show you when we get to the appropriate slide here. We got a um, NOPA crush report, our uh, August crush report uh, last week. Pretty bullish number when it uh, for soybean oil, not necessarily the crush number itself. It was just a little bit below expectations, but uh, uh, NOPA at the very least seems to have misplaced some oil. I guess we'll have to wait for uh, census for confirmation. But again, I'll talk a little bit more about that when I get to the appropriate slide. I think a couple other headlines here, I probably should have led with this because for many of you, it's probably the biggest news that we got last week, but uh, in the 11th hour, uh, the railroad strike was averted, thank God. Uh, that would have been a supply chain disaster on top of uh, what has turned out to be a pretty challenging couple years when it comes to the supply chain side of things. So that was averted. Uh, it says it's tentative. Uh, several of these unions have still got a vote on the language and the wording and the deal, but uh, nothing we are hearing at this point would cause us to have a great deal of concern that uh, this will get ratified. Most believe that uh, we will get this through and it'll get ratified, but um, stay tuned, I suppose. We're not completely out of the woods uh, yet there. Um, I think a, a couple other things I wanted to touch on here briefly before I throw it to, to Scotty for uh, the wheat side of things. Um, <clears throat> Uh, looking at uh, canola harvest, I figured I'd update you. We got 11% of the crop out in Manitoba, 39% in Saskatchewan, and 31% of the canola crop out in Alberta. As always, those numbers are almost a week old by the time I give them to you. We are hearing in Saskatchewan that they're probably, as we speak, uh, on or about the 50% harvested mark. Didn't get updated uh, numbers on uh, canola or sunflower harvest from the USDA. Uh, they never did their uh, Sunday update like they normally do. So. Uh, but the other big piece of news that I wanted to, to, to give you this morning, and it's not even on this slide, um, but it just came out, read it in a wire this morning uh, after we had already gone to press, uh, but there was a wire out that said that the EPA has finally um, taken their recommendation for the canola oil pathway to be used to make renewable diesel. Remember, the pathway has long since been open to use canola oil to make regular biodiesel, but that pathway to turn it into renewable diesel uh, has been opened. Uh, it has been uh, something that the market has been waiting for imminently uh, for probably at least six months now. Well, EPA finally gave notice that they have sent their recommendation to the Office of Management and Budget for scoring, uh, which, as you know, is the final step before we get a press release. So maybe we'll get something here yet this month. 
Um, maybe even yet this week, that might be a bit uh, a bit quick, but um, and I think that's about it. Before we get into the slides, I'll throw it to Scott for all things wheat at this point. Yeah, well, um, the big news obviously is uh, uh, Russia, and that's I guess that's not necessarily big news. The big news, um, we've known that they were going to have a big crop, uh, but uh, the, the last two changes uh, from uh, the analyst ICAR have been pretty big changes. They went up 2 million tons a, a couple of weeks ago, and now they went up another 2 million tons, uh, kind of right here at the end of their crop. They um, Remember, they, they have a, a good bit more spring wheat than what uh, the rest of uh, Ukraine and uh, uh, Europe does. And so they're kind of like us. They're uh, on, on about the same clock as, as the United States and Canada uh, when it comes to harvesting their, their spring wheat. And so those um, numbers are, are finally coming in. And it, it was uh, a bit of a shocker for the market, I think, to, uh, to see ICAR raise that number again and then to do so by, you know, two whole million tons right at the end. So that's why we've seen some softness in the market yesterday, uh, a little carryover uh, last night. Um, the other thing that I think that has happened uh, specifically with Russia is that they've kind of regained their footing uh, in the export market. For a couple of weeks now, they've, they've been struggling and they weren't the low guy, uh, uh, low offers in the marketplace. They were... Um, uh, struggling to get some stuff out the door. Well, uh, it would seem that the, they're going to pick that back up again, probably about Scott, a million tons this. Go ahead. Is that is that possibly what Putin's whole intent was with this uh, rattling the saber a little bit and complaining about the Ukraine agreement uh, just to put some doubt in the world community's mind about, well, if I buy something out of Ukraine, might get shut off and maybe I'll just get it from Russia where I know it'll come out. I wonder if that was what he was trying to do all along. Well, I, I, good question. And I don't know the answer to that, but it is interesting that at the same time he's rattling his saber about that, um, he also dropped uh, uh, their domestic export taxes one more time. So it all of a sudden became even even cheaper still to uh, to get wheat out of Russia. Uh, you see there in that international pricing bullet, they're at about 310 bucks a ton right now. That's actually down a couple bucks from uh, a week ago, and you know easily the lowest uh, the, the lowest guy in the clubhouse right now. Um, you know f uh, France and and a lot of the other EU origins Germany. Uh, we're kind of getting to the spot where they could um, pick up some of that business, uh, but but now he's he's got his prices uh, right back down to to be the low guy in, in the clubhouse. So um, we shall see. Uh, I thought it was interesting too. I'll finish up here with Russia on this nope. spot. Um, that's okay. You can stay there. Um, but I thought it was interesting that Yale did a report where they have. Um, they have estimated that Russia has destroyed or damaged uh, about 14% of Ukraine's grain storage capacity. So that takes them from around 58 million tons to just below 50 million tons. Um, 
you know, if you're just watching the news every day uh, and, and the bombs and everything else, you would have thought it was probably more than that. Uh, but it's still an or a significant number. And you see here on this slide, this is actually a, a graphic that um, that I found. This is from the Ministry of the uh, Infrastructure there in Ukraine. And it's just a kind of an accounting of uh, what has happened here with this grain initiative. Um, you know, there was a lot of, and I think they probably did this to in some ways kind of combat uh, uh, Putin's rhetoric uh, on where this stuff was going. And so they put this note out and how many different uh, vessels went to Africa and, and Europe and Asia. So I thought that was uh, just some interesting uh, information. So uh, the next thing, I guess, uh, we'll we'll go one more slide and, and hit StatsCan real quick, and I'll start with the wheat before I throw it back to Dave. Talk a little bit about canola. Um, you know, it's going to be a good crop. Uh, they're calling uh, this uh, from year over year uh, up fifty six percent on total wheat, thirty four point seven million tons. That is not uh, unexpected at all. Uh, and then you see there on the Durham wheat, they doubled what they had a year ago, just a little over 6 million tons. So, and the spring wheat up 60% to 26 million tons. Um, uh, talking to some uh, uh, good Canadian friends uh, just yesterday, uh, some folks that we deal with on the oil side of things, uh, but they do uh, uh, know a little bit about the wheat uh, crop up there and everything looks outstanding. Our wheat here in the States, uh, a spring wheat wrapping that up at 94%, harvested right on the average. Uh, they've completely and totally caught up. Uh, everything we hear about our spring wheat crop is is just truly outstanding. 80 bushel type yields uh, that we're hearing up there. So uh, wow. Dave, I, I think we'll uh, probably talk about the canola crop now. Yeah. I, and I think, Scott, I was going to ask you on the wheat, is that about what the trade was looking for? Was that a little bit, uh, uh, how did that deviate from trade expectations? That stats came Actually, number? Actually, uh, from what I understand, that's just a little bit higher than expectations. So uh, not bad, not bad. Now, I again, kind of like our crop, I would not be surprised to see that crop gets to Scotia even bigger. Yeah, you know? and I tell you what, a little bit, uh, kind of the opposite direction on the canola. Trade was looking, uh, remember StatsCan was 19.5 uh, on their last report. Trade was looking for that to get a little bit bigger. Remember the trade heads kind of been around that 20 million metric ton mark. Uh, StatsCan, maybe being StatsCan uh, down to 19.1. So a little bit bullish, but again, I think StatsCan's got enough of a reputation for being a touch off the wall sometimes that, um, I think when they gave us the 19.5 number the last time, I think a lot of people said, huh, maybe they're doing better at this. But I don't know if uh, too many people in the trade at this point are down at that 19.1 number. I think most are still no. in the upper teens at around 20. No, and, um, and again, our Canadian, our Canadian friends uh, talking to them yesterday, they believe it's just south of 21. They're, they, they think 20.5, wow. they think 20.5, you know, may not be a layup, but but is a pretty solid bet right now. 
Yeah, that's, I think that, like I said, I think a lot of the, the trades head is further, uh, further north like that. I think uh, Don Roberts that we subscribe to is, uh, I think he's 19.8, something like that. And that's one of the lower ones that I've seen. So we'll see as we get a little bit deeper into harvest here, we, uh, we shall see. I mentioned the NOPA crush report, a little bit lower crush than the trade was looking for, but but not a material difference, really. Um, much lower than last month. Uh, I'm not exactly sure the reasons for that. I have heard of uh, some run troubles uh, as we've gotten here later in the summer. I suspect we've also got a little bit of maintenance downtime that we're kind of trying to finish up on before we get into harvest. But the real big number on that report was that soybean oil stocks number. Uh, we seem to have misplaced about 90 million pounds of oil. And so the uh, always the question when you see a report move like this is what happened to it? Um, did we eat it? Did we burn it more of it than we thought we were going to burn? Um, or is the number just wrong? I mean, those are always the questions. And uh, as you remember, if you guys have been following along at home, uh, we have a tendency, not just on the NOPA crush report, but sometimes even on the USDA month rep uh, crush report, um, sometimes these numbers just vary in ways that can't be explained. And often they kind of write themselves or the ship writes itself over time. So I guess the real question, is this the beginning of a trend? Uh, is there something on the disappearance side uh, that we're missing that's gonna cause oil stocks to be lower uh, than the current set of estimates uh, or not? Um, first, first crack we'll get at that is in a couple of weeks with the August USDA numbers. Those will come out right about the end of September. Uh, so we will see what happened there, but that's uh, that would give you an implied stocks number uh, of just under two billion pounds, which is, as you know, is below what the USDA's ending stocks number estimate is right now, which is about 2.1. That would be at the end of September. So we'll see if we don't write the ship here, um, uh, either on the census numbers or next month. Um, getting into the, we're not really going to talk about conditions, uh, not making a heck of a lot of progress here on corn harvest, uh, just 7% harvested, uh, just a couple percentage points better than last week. I thought we'd improve a bit more than that. Uh, we're starting to see them take some stuff out of the fields here uh, a little bit more regularly. But again, with the weather I'm going to show you, I do think we will see this start to uh, uh, start to accelerate and really you start to see some significant progress in some of the larger uh, producing states, the I states, as we like to say, although we don't like that here in Nebraska because uh, we are clearly one of the bigger corn producers and uh, we don't have an I, but uh, you get the idea. Soybean harvest just starting to scratch the surface here a little bit. We've got 3% of our uh, soybeans out, uh, but again, with the weather I'm going to show you, I think we'll start seeing stuff come out pretty quick. Scott had mentioned spring wheat harvest. We'll talk about that. Uh, Scott, is there anything to mention here on uh, winter wheat plantings? Seem to be ahead of schedule because we don't have moisture getting in the way, but. Well, right. And I, I think you might mention it when you uh, run through the, the weather. We, we have gotten a little bit of moisture uh, out in that far uh, western por portion of the hard red winter wheat belt. And, and that's good. That's great, actually. Um, but yeah, I, I, I don't think there's anything to, to really focus on the, the planting side. We're at 21% nationally versus 17 on average. So yeah, I'll show you a little bit, a little bit of some chances in that area. Uh, not real widespread like you'd like to see, but a little bit of chances I'll show you here in just a second. 
uh, when we get to the uh, seven-day forecast. But before I get to the weather here, I wanted to talk about the spec positions. Haven't really talked much about this in recent weeks. It's not really been much of an issue. Um, we kind of had the spec in a lot of these different markets that we watch had moved to that sub 10% of open interest area where, honestly, uh, I and many others in the trade stopped paying attention. Well, we've got some buying have cre has crept back in here, uh, especially since the WASDI report that we had last week. You can see that the spec is up to 13, almost 13.5% of open interest in the corn market, um, still over 10% of open interest in Kansas City wheat. Uh, and getting some pretty big numbers again in the soy complex, uh, over 14% open interest in beans, over 20, which remember, you don't see spec positions more larger than 20% of open interest very often. We're back over 20% of open interest in meal um, and, and uh, approaching 12 and a half in oil. So the spec has been active. The spec has been adding to the pile here just a little bit and causing uh, a little bit of the bullish price action that we're seeing since last week's WASD uh, in the soy complex. So there's your last seven days. There's a little bit of the rain Scott was talking about out here. And we got a little bit in Nebraska, you know, kind of scattered out here in hard red winter wheat country, uh, uh, Eastern Colorado and Kansas, Oklahoma and Texas are still dry. When you look at the seven day uh, forecast, you kind of start to see a little bit of color out here. Um, you kind of start to see a little bit of color out here. Uh, when I looked at this seven-day map this morning, there's even a little bit more color that extends a little bit further down into Kansas. So I think the chances of a little bit better rain in Kansas and eastern, uh, excuse me, eastern Colorado uh, are a bit better. But again, it'd sure be nice to see a lot of blues and purples and reds kind of right over the top of that hard red winter wheat area because we are very, very dry out there. Uh, and we're going to need some moisture to get that crop up and going. And as you can that see doesn't here, it doesn't good. look like, yeah, well, we're not going to get it. I mean, we're going to stay hot and dry. This is uh, probably really good news for, if you like, a big, quick harvest for the spring-planted crop. This is uh, certainly a good news slide. Um, but anybody that uh, we work with that uh, is got significant interest in the hard red winter wheat area, which is quite a few of our customers, uh, that is not a pretty slide. Uh, that does not bode well for getting uh, – Really forgetting some moisture going here in hard red winter wheat country, which we're going to desperately need. And, and here's your seven day uh, in Brazil. Um, when you look at this slide, you could start to see these flows here uh, just starting to develop a little bit. Um, that is certainly good news. That is an indication that we're starting to see. Hopefully, we're starting to see a, a, a start of the rainy season here. Um, from what we're reading down there, we've got farmers. I think the planting progress in Brazil for beans was just shy of 1% uh, at this point. But remember those first plant dates uh, just rolled off the calendar here last week. Matter of fact, I think last Friday or Saturday was the first plant date up here in Mato Grosso. So we should start to see some progress there. They're about 22% planted on their first corn crop in Brazil. So uh, it's still dry in Argentina, but it's also still a bit early in Argentina. So uh, we're looking for the rainy season to get going here. And uh, hopefully this is kind of start to be that pattern that we're looking for. So let's jump over to the dairy side of things. Uh, Scott, what have you got for us here? Well, uh, cheese continuing to climb. We're up another dime on the week last week, or almost a dime, I guess. Um, milk production is increasing, and I'll get to that in just a second. We have our, our latest uh, milk production numbers that came out for August. 
Um, but the milk itself is is still pretty pricey. It's 13 cents over uh, a class right now. That's that's kind of a, a STEMI type number for cheese makers. But um, you know they're they're still uh, production uh, is is still doing pretty good, and the demand is still pretty. Uh, uh, decent. It's a little mixed, maybe not quite as high on the food service side as what we once thought, but the export side is still rolling along pretty good. And the inventories are starting to come down a little bit. That'll be another good uh, a piece of information we get is when we get those uh, of those inventories, the cold storage numbers. I believe they come out this week. On the butter side, Yet another new all-time high last week uh, came out on Tuesday, 324. But since then, uh, we finally backed off. Maybe it's the old, you know, uh, best cure for high prices is high prices. Uh, we, we backed off over a dime uh, between uh, Tuesday uh, and Friday. So, um, you know, it, it's still a very, very high value. Uh, but there's also still a very big inverse in that marketplace, uh, 78 cents from the September to the September. Um, cream is getting a little bit tighter. You know, we had started to loosen things up as the ice cream guys uh, were, were winding down. Well, now the cream cheese uh, processors are starting to ramp up for the holidays. And so that's what's being blamed for uh, uh, running uh, cream multiples back up just a little bit. Go forward one slide, Dave. We'll talk about the um, uh, August uh, milk production. And oh my gosh, we actually got a nice report, a bearish report. Not necessarily in the total amount of milk produced, but in the growth year over year, you see there were up over a percent and a half year over year. And so that's that was seen as a, a very nice, uh, uh, good bearish type number. Cow efficiency, again, up well over a percent and a half year over year. Um, cow numbers, uh, 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 month over month, just a little bit of an increase there, even though we were down year over year. Um, that's the largest herd size that we've had in almost a year. So, you know, it was a very good report if you're a, a milk or a milk product buyer. Uh, was it, was it more, one of those things that as as hot as August was, was this almost like a big sigh of relief? I mean, I think, I think so. uh, a lot of people bracing for a, a, uh, a poor production number just because it was so hot. But Right. And, and, and this was a bit of a surprise. And, and uh, uh, you know, we, we want to see more of this as we as we roll here into into the fourth quarter. So. I guess the last thing you might want to show, go roll forward to the uh, the strip slide. Look at that butter inverse. That's just massive. All the way up. It almost makes one think that uh, 240 something butter uh, as you get out into next year is actually cheap. Uh, historically, that's still expensive. Historically, I think much above, you get a little bit above 235 or 236, you're still in the top quintile, but uh, it certainly looks cheap compared to the 324 butter we had last Tuesday, doesn't it? Right, right, no doubt. All right, well, thank you, Scott. Uh, I believe that is our story this week, and we are sticking to it. Uh, again, as always, we'd love to hear from you. Questions, comments, uh, please don't uh, hesitate to pick up the phone and give us a call uh, or, or shoot us an email. And as always, and especially in these crazy commodity markets, be careful out there. <laughs>